Hey, I'm Alec Benjamin, and I'm hanging out with Rob on Front Row Live. What's up, guys? Rob here, Front Row Live Entertainment. I am finally hanging out with Alec uh, Benjamin, and I'm super excited because I've been a fan of yours for some time. Your songwriting is just incredible. Uh, you you have this tendency of taking me into this place of whatever it is that you're writing about. You could write about an ant that's outside, and like I'll <laughs> fall in love with that songwriting. Um, so... Before we really dive in and talk about the music, congratulations with one billion uh, oh, streams thanks. on technically the debut single, right? Yeah, technically. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's a, uh, I feel like, I don't know what I was going to say. Yeah, it's very exciting. I, um, I, the plaque is cool. And, um, yeah, I never imagined I'd have a billion of anything. So it's exciting. I suppose, like, I don't, it's not, it's not, like, I don't have a billion of it. People have played it a billion times. Right. But to have my name associated with the number one billion is pretty cool. <laughs> well, well, at the same time that it's, like, such a vulnerable topic. Like, uh, you know, as an artist, some artists say, like, they it's their job, it's their duty to kind of speak about what we can't speak about. But I feel like that still doesn't make it easy, like, um, knowing that there is an audience that's going to listen to whatever story you're writing about. Right. I think for me, like, the thing that is more difficult is for me to not – uh, be myself or to like say something that is not true to me so sometimes as difficult as it is to be vulnerable and honest it's it's harder for me to uh, pretend to be something that I'm not so it's okay with me um, to talk about things that maybe other people don't necessarily feel comfortable talking about um, because as long as I know I'm being true to myself and I'm I'm speaking my truth and you know, whatever people think about it is not my problem. It's their problem, you know. <laughs> Once it's out, it's not even yours anymore. It's not mine anymore, exactly, yeah. yeah. That's, um, that's a great, I mean, that's a great way to put it. Um, with, with this song in particular, um, I love that you basically, like, co-wrote with Sir Nolan, and uh, Sam DeJong was also part of it, who you also work with on this latest record. So that evolution, like, or do you remember going back to that initial song and, like, that first experience with them, and, like, how different is it now with this new record? Well, I think the cool thing is is that I've had a, um, I've had, um, I've been able to develop a really awesome relationship with, with um, like, the people that I started working with making that first project, um, and even some of the people that I started working with when I was like 16 or 17. Um, and so when we go back to work on new records, it f always feels like, you know, it just feels super natural. And even the first time I got into the studio with them, it just felt really natural. Um, so, uh, yeah, if it, uh, it feels good. It doesn't feel like I don't know. Anytime we get back together and I, I like to, I like to continue to work with the same people, um, that I work with from the start just because like I develop a relationship with them and I have good chemistry with them and, and, uh, yeah, it feels good. I'm still working with the same people that I made, you know, my first album with. So I think that's good, right? I don't know. <laughs> it's nice to experiment and, and, and to work with other people too. Like on this new album, I work with a, a writer that I hadn't worked with before named Sam Romans and we wrote like six or seven songs together. Um, and we just clicked, you know, and now, you know, Hopefully he's someone that I'll be working with, you know, for a decade or longer or whatever. Um, but when you find someone, it's rare to find people that you really gel with. So when you do, it's good to keep them close and, and try and collaborate with them as frequently as you can. Yeah, that must be a scary process, though, like when you're ready to, to write with someone new. Um, it is. Like, how do you open up to them, or how does that session kind of kickstart Romans in particular? Like, what was that initial session like? Well, it can be very uncomfortable sometimes when you don't necessarily um, 
when you're not on the same page as somebody else, which, you know, it's like, it's like going on, it's like going on a date, you know, you have the same anxieties as you do as, you know, when you ask somebody out and you're, you know, pulling up to the restaurant or whatever, it's like, it's, it's very nerve wracking. Um, but, uh, I think actually like this, this like sort of round of sessions was different from any of the ones that I had done in the past because it was during the, so I actually like part of having a zoom session with someone is actually more nerve wracking because it's like, you can't be in the room with them. So you can't relate to them. Like physically, you're not yeah. sitting across the, the room or, you know, you're not sitting across like the, the studio desk from them or whatever. So that can make it weird, but actually, um, at the beginning of the session, I was like nervous and like, you know, turn the zoom on or whatever. And then I just was sort of like at this point where I was so frustrated with a lot of the stuff that was going on, like in the world. And because of the I was just like, look, this is this is the kind of weird stuff I want to talk about in my songs. And like, if you're not down for it, then like, you know, that's totally cool. Like we can we don't have to finish the session, but this is what I want to say. And I, he was like, well, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, well, I want to write a song about Nancy Pelosi um, getting a haircut. And he was like, let's do it. And I was like, OK. And then like from that point on, it was just like it was uh, sorry, my foot just touched your knee. And then I feel like I have to acknowledge it in order to move forward. Um, but yeah, from that point on, like when I was like when he was like down to talk about that, um, I was like, he, I was like, this guy's cool. Cause sometimes we'd be in a session and you'd be like, Hey, like, I feel like talking about, um, you know, talking about Nancy Pelosi's haircut and people would be like, that's cool. That's cool. But you know, what if we write a song about like, are you in a relationship? Are you dating anyone right now? You know, it's like, it's like, okay, like this is, you know, and sometimes I have the patience for that. And, uh, had no patience for that so I just any sessions that I wasn't vibing I was just like hey look like maybe we just do this another day <laughs> but with him it, it worked and then I started calling him every day and I would call him like it would be like you know sometimes it'd be like you know one in the morning I'd be like bro I have this idea like can we work on this or whatever and 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 a really awesome creative relationship blossomed between the both of us um but those it's rare you know you have to do like 15 or 20 sessions before you find one person that you really vibe with which you know it's like it makes sense yeah What's, I mean, what's that like? Like, literally, you can just call them anytime you have something, you know, in mind or whatever. Like, is there like, is there like a, a rule for the, you know, producer artist kind of rule where it's like, from these hours to these hours, you can't or it's just like, whenever you have an idea, let me know. Well, I mean, you know, he's like, he just had a baby and like, you know, probably not going to call him at like, you know, one in the morning now or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, people have boundaries. Yeah. I mean, I find those boundaries quick, you know, <laughs> especially like during the because I was like, you know, I would call people or whatever. I mean, normally if you call them and it's too late, they just don't answer. Yeah. But, you know, you can't necessarily control when you have ideas. So it's nice to have, you know, uh, a couple of people that you can call, that you trust, that you can run ideas by, um, you know, at any hour of the day. Um, but, you know, you have to be respectful of people's time. It's also it's another human being. Like, they have a family and exactly. other things to do. So, yeah, there are boundaries. But, you know, I I've, I've, I find the boundaries by crossing them. <laughs> yeah. So Romans was basically the third, uh, new or the newest addition to this to this team that you already had um, for this record. So when you're going from these three producers, like how are you able to kind of keep that same kind of vibe, same kind of tone throughout this record? So, um, well, I think ultimately at the core of it, um, what drives the record is, you know, I like to find people who in their own right, you know, would be able to write a song if there was nobody with them or whatever. But also I like people that let me be in the driver's seat so that I can kind of steer. And I think like, you know, me being the common denominator between all these sessions is ultimately what keeps everything cohesive. Um, but, uh, you know, like I will, I, I normally start with like one track or whatever that's like produced and, um, and kind of use that as like a, uh, a blueprint for 
kind of sonically what I want the rest of the record to sound like. And when you get to work with producers like Nolan or Sam or, or um, well, they're both Sam, Sam Romans or Sam DeYoung, who all, they all produce tracks on the album, you know, it kind of be like, well, sonically, like, this is what I'm looking for. And after you write the song, you know, they all bring their own flair to it, which I think is good because they don't all sound exactly the same, but I think they fit together on the record nicely. Um, it's a, uh, I don't know. I feel like what, what makes it kind of like cohesive is, um, me <laughs> it's my it's my album <laughs> so you know I, I think that as long as i'm like i said like as long as i'm being honest you know as long as the lyrics come from my heart and if i listen to a track and i feel like it represents me even if you know the sonic palette is slightly different from track to track as long as i feel comfortable with it i just sort of i just sort of um hope that uh if i'm true to myself then it will all come across as me and i hope that that's what keeps it cohesive and i think also working with the same people over time is what also keeps things you know together um if that makes sense i love with your music like one of the things that also like caught my attention is that i can never go into a song um I can never go into a song and be like, this is the vocal tone that I'm going to hear throughout, or this is the, this is the cadence that I'm going to hear throughout. You always tend to change it out, change up your cadence throughout every single song. Um, is that something that just happens naturally for you? Like when you're writing music or is that something that when you're jumping into the studio, it's like, all right, I want to step up my, my tempo here, like mid song or what, like, what is that process like for you? Well, I think like, you know, I don't necessarily realize or notice the changes as much as maybe other people who are have a bird's eye view of like I'm so deep in it that it kind of it all honestly like it it doesn't it's hard for me to tell the difference from like yeah and then I feel like as I grow and as I evolve things happen naturally that um you know are not necessarily like it's not necessarily a conscious decision so it's hard for me to answer that question because I feel like I'm just doing what feels right so if it's good to hear that that there feels like there's some variation because sometimes I feel like I don't have enough variations. So nice, yeah. yeah. I, I mean that, and just like being able to use like hums as some kind of yeah. instrument, yeah. you always find a new way to, to to kind of make it sound different, um, which is really cool. Like I don't know, like how do you not run out of that kind of material or like that style? Well, my favorite. Um, before I played guitar, I sang. The first thing that I fell in love with about music was just like singing and the way singing made me feel. I love like when you're with a group of people or you're in front of a group of people and, you know, you're you're kind of like all resonating at the same frequency and, and sort of everyone is sort of brought together by like, you know, they're all watching and you're singing and it kind of feels like you sort of all... I don't know, you're all sort of vibrating at the same frequency. It's like an amazing feeling. And so the most important instrument for me is my voice. So I like to use my voice in as many ways as I possibly can. And also now too, um, you know, as the world is increasingly more and more online everybody's kind of using the same samples everyone's like pulling from the same stuff on splice or whatever you know it's like that's why you have like a justin bieber song that has like a sample from someone else's song you know it's like which is fine too because everybody uses uses the samples in their own unique ways but i feel like nobody has my voice i'm the only one that has my voice you know and and you know you're the only one that has your voice or whatever and so i feel like one of the one of the things that makes me unique is is the particular way you know um my voice sounds because of the anatomy of my body. And so the way I, I, if I can, the more ways in which I can use my voice, I feel like, um, the better, because it will make my record sound more unique to me. And in that same sense, um, one of the things that I was like a little worried about in the beginning of your career was that you started so young. So your voice was still going to change. Right. It changed a lot. Uh, 
it changed a lot, but when I'm listening to your music, like it doesn't seem like it was that drastic. Like, oh, you know, it it's might. It's always been high. It's always been yeah. very high. My voice has always been very high. Yeah. I mean, I'm 28 now, so I don't think at this point, I think at this point, like it's, you know, it's like it's gonna, it is where it is. I mean, ultimately, as you get older, even people who like, I mean, James Taylor still has his voice, which is pretty cool because he's got a high voice and it still sounds great. Paul McCartney sounds great too. Um, but you know, you listen to like Billy Joel or Ellen John, even though they still sound great, their voices have dropped slightly. So I suppose like maybe in my 40s or 50s, my voice will go down, but uh, I think I've got like a good 10 more years like this. So <laughs> yeah, cause sometimes people do, they hit puberty and it's like, yeah. it's game over, you know? <laughs> Did you have any issues though? Like, uh, as you were getting older, like in trying to kind of rediscover your voice or try, try and find that, like that comfortable tone again, or, or has it just been comfortable this entire time yeah well i mean there were times where i was like kind of like imitating other people a little bit to like sort of find my own my own sound like i used to, i i love james morrison uh, i love like uh i used to listen to a singer named justin ozuka he had like a kind of like a raspier voice and i was like for a while i was trying to intimidate or intimidate um it, what did i say imitate. imitate did i say imitate before or intimidate you intimidate <laughs> i know how to speak english all right i try to imitate other people um, I'm not trying to intimidate my favorite singers, although maybe, maybe one day if I have to go up against them one v one. Um, I try, I try to, I try to imitate other people, and then as I get got older, I kind of like found my voice, and I sort of became more comfortable with the fact that my voice is just, I just have a high voice that sits sort of in this like high upper tenor range. Um, and I can't remember what the question was. Now that I'm embarrassed that I used the wrong word, <laughs> what was the question? As you were growing and and your voice was kind of changing, like did you find yourself struggling to find that that comfortable zone or tone for you? Yeah, yeah, I did, but um, I uh, I played around with a lot of different things. I mean, at first too. Like, you know, it's when you watch other singers who can do like a lot of cool things, you're like, oh, maybe I want to try that. And I tried out like doing the runs and like singing like Valerie, you know, and like listening to Amy Winehouse and listening to old soul records and stuff. And ultimately, it kind of like I love to listen to that music, but I ultimately felt like that was not necessarily um, the thing that fit my voice the best. I think like as an artist, um, what you do is you kind of uh, you you know, you have to know like the palette, the colors and the palette that you're painting with and you have to understand your voice first and like and the context in which it makes the most sense. And so sort of I started playing around with my voice and trying out different things and I thought, you know, I would sing like different in different genres and stuff and I'd be like, okay, well this isn't right or this doesn't fit here. Um, like you don't have to have like classically like the best voice um, in order to make a great record. You just have to know how to use your voice. Like Tom DeLonge and... and um, One of my favorites. I'm ca- yeah. I can't believe that's who you named. Out of everyone in the world, you yeah. named Tom I mean, DeLonge. When you listen to him, it's not like, you know, he doesn't... Say, he's not Adele, yeah, but, but, he, but he understands his voice. I think the most important thing about being an artist um, is trying to be, like, as self-aware as you can possibly be. So, because what you have to do is sort of, like, shift... You know, you have to decide in which context your voice fits the best. And if yeah. you don't understand your voice first, you, it's not possible to do that. So, um... I ultimately sort of found that, like, my voice, I love singer-songwriters, I love John Mayer, I love Jason Mraz. I don't sing sort of a lot of, he does a lot of stuff in, like, major keys, which for me, because my voice is so high, uh, doesn't always necessarily fit, it sounds too sweet, so I found, like, having, like, some minor chords and stuff, like, in the pocket where, like, The Devil Doesn't Bargain or Let Me Down Slowly is, or, like, you know, I also have other songs like Jesus in L.A. and Nancy Got a Haircut and things that are, like, a little bit more major, but for some reason, that sort of minor thing with my voice uh that juxtaposition between like the sweetness of my voice and like the sort of like um somber sort of minor chords it it, it fits yeah, yeah. Do, you, 
you think about it a lot? Like when you're like for uncommentary, for example, as a whole, like, did you think about that, that uh, sweet spot uh, during the writing process or even the recording process of, of these tracks? You know what? I tried to not think about it at all, actually, because I think in the past, like, especially after the success of Let Me Down Slowly, it was like very scary for me to be like, okay, well, do I, do I got to do that again? You know? And, um, I was really, really, although ultimately at the end of the day, I ended up putting out the songs that I felt best represented me and wrote the songs that I wanted to write, but I struggled for a long time trying to recreate that. And then I put out Mind is a Prison, which is like a different song, which is the first single from my second album. Um, and, you know, I think it, 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 it didn't necessarily do the same thing, but I was proud of it. So like I said, like I can only be myself. Um, and on this record though, what I tried to do is not care. Like I didn't have any preconceived notions about what I was trying to create. I just went into it like, this is how I feel. Um, but a lot of times my voice does end up in that lane, you know? Yeah. What would you say, like what track out of these 13 tracks would you say like really challenged you? Um, whether it was the writing process or like the actual, uh, recording process? I would say that. Honestly, this album kind of just flew out of me, and uh, I wrote it in like two, three months, and then it just kind of put a bow on it, and that was it. Like, I had the songs. Now, like, the choosing of the songs was always hard, and like, figuring out which songs you're going to use, and like, you know, I have management that helps me do that. Like, Nathan, who's sitting right there, picked a lot of he picked most of the songs but in particular i didn't even like the devil doesn't bargain and he was like this is trust me like put this on the record it's a single i mean it's become one you know i feel like the people choose you know it's like people hear the record they like the song and if if that's the song that resonates with people like then that's the one that becomes the single ultimately but we didn't put it out as a single because i didn't want to you know (laughs) yeah i was like i was like i don't think it's even going to go on the record but then it did but but the recording process for this album was like pretty cool because well it wasn't cool but it, it was it, it was easy because I did it in the comfort of my own home I had like my mic in my living room and I just recorded because everybody was uh was was you know it just was like pretty felt pretty easy it, my dog was with me I just recorded that was it yeah <laughs> it was a very very different from the normal recording process of like having to drive all the way to the studio and then sort of like do all the takes or whatever like I I picked you know I, I did like eight takes or whatever for a lot of them for some of them I recorded in the studio with Nolan um the only studio work I did was in the studio with Nolan the rest of it was at my house I mean, I guess it made you a producer in a sense. Like you kind of learned how to pick it up. I wouldn't say that. (laughs) I wouldn't say it made me a producer. I I like literally don't, I didn't even set up a vocal chain. Like I literally just recorded my vocal like straight, straight up like dry into Logic and just sent it to them. Straight on the iPhone. That's what it was. I did. Some of them were on the iPhone. Like I recorded a song on my iPhone during the, um, which honestly like the iPhone microphone sounds great. So yeah. One of the songs that sticks out to me and I ended up having to put it on repeat because I was just like, it was just such a creative idea. Like, um, but I'm sure there's like a deeper tone or a deeper like reasoning why you wrote it was, uh, one wrong turn. Mm. And for some reason, like the, the whole situation of she made a right when she could have made a left or like, I don't know. That one just hit differently. What well, was it about that song that like, what kickstarted the writing process for that song? That was the last song that I wrote for the album. Um, and, uh, I, can we hear, are we gonna be able to hear that in the mic? Okay. Um, I have ADD, so I'm hearing like, there's, there's a buzzing sound happening right now that whoever's watching this can't hear. And it's making it difficult for me to focus, but we'll get through it. Um, so that was the last song that I wrote for the record. And I felt like there was a lot of things going on at the time that I felt like, you know, look, look at the crazy sort of the crazy, 
U-turn or 180 or, you know, the crazy turn that the universe took or the world took over the last, you know, like, you know, few years. And I was just thinking about like how crazy it is that you can do all of the right things and you could make one mistake and it, you know, it can, it can, it can ruin everything. And then I was, I was, uh, driving to Nolan's house. Um, and I was thinking about, we were going to write a song and I texted him the night before. I just wanted to write a song just, just cause, and I didn't brainstorm any ideas before. So I was looking at my car, I was looking at my phone, like trying to come up with some ideas. And then I realized like, well, this could ultimately kill me. And I'm trying to come up with an idea for my session, but like I could die. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, maybe I should write about that. And I tried to come up with a couple of stories that I felt would sort of encapsulate that emotion. But also at the time there was, um, there was like a tragic, um, thing that happened um actually not too far from here there was a girl that i knew um who um was working in a store and she was murdered oh yeah just randomly crazy like no one's fault like just just went into work that day and it's like you know you could anything could happen at any point maybe you're not even making a mistake maybe you're just like like i said in the song like you're taking a right or you're taking a left it's like and it's you know you never know what's behind what's what's behind any door that you're going to open. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's the song. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's about. Yeah. 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 I don't know. That one just like hit different. And I was just like, wow, this is insane. Like, cause I haven't had like, you know, you usually have like songs that just like get you into it, like into your feels, like for some reason. And like, you know, fortunately I haven't experienced any of that, like with friends or whatever, but like, I don't know. It was just, it just hit home for some reason. I was like, why, why is this hitting me? Well, I feel like everybody has that in their life where they do one thing or they make one mistake or yeah. just sort of make one decision that ultimately like puts them in a position they never imagined they would be in. And they go, well, how the hell did that happen? It's like, nobody knows. But one choice you make can, can ruin everything sometimes. Or, or it can be the best choice you ever made. Yeah. I could, either way, it could go either way. That's true. Now, uh, since this record has been out, um, you are getting ready to go back on the road. Yes. Um, I feel like you've been touring like the lat, like as soon as the world opened up, I feel like you've been touring yeah. nonstop. That's what it's felt like. Um, so the Uncommentary uh, tour kicks off September 8th in Texas, I believe. Yes. Claire Rosencrans is uh, the direct support. Yep. And then you have Sarah Kay's on a couple dates. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we look forward to on the on this on this oh, uh, tour? Also, I have to add, there's a few shows where we have Sarah Cothran and Madeline the Person, uh, and they're great. Yeah, they're playing a few select shows, and it's going to be rad. And sorry, what was your question? I just wanted to add that. Yeah, <laughs> like what what? How do you make it different, knowing that you've been literally touring like for the last I don't know year and a half? Well, so. I, I never got a chance to tour my second album, These Two Windows, so I had that tour that I had announced and sold the tickets to like three years prior, and then the second that, like before the like scared everybody back into their house, um, we toured that record, um, and so I think the Uncommentary Tour is new because we're playing all of these songs that we've never played before, so the we, we have an entirely new set. Um, it's also a band that... Um, north america hasn't really seen yet and um yeah that's how we make it new i guess <laughs> i don't know i love playing shows i feel like i feel like the band and i we just keep getting better and better and better and um and every time you know i i think every time we come back to a city i think the show evolves and uh it's fun to uh to sing these songs to people i don't know i love touring yeah, yeah. but how do you not like how do you not burn out? I guess that's the main question, just because it has been nonstop for you. I do burn out. How do you, <laughs> how do you go about it? Like how, you know, you still seem, you know, 
you're still announcing more shows well, and you're still going on tour. The alternative is to not do it, and that's true. I, I don't want to. I don't want that. So you just deal with it. You know, you have a great team of people around you that, like, when you know when you freak out or whatever, um, they're able to pick up the pieces and and help you figure it out and get you back out there so that you can do what you love so it's just about having a good team of people um that that are there to to help you and work through the problems um but ultimately um i think that you know i never felt as low in my life as i did during the and so you know anything that could ultimately happen to me out on the road is not going to be as bad as that so i'm ready to get back out there yeah what was it about Claire that, um, and Sarah Kay's, well, I guess, what was it about all four, uh, artists that you wanted to bring them out on the road? Well, so I think that, um, uh, for Sarah, I just like, I've, I, I love her lyrics and I love the way that she writes songs and her and I actually became friends like during the, we just connected. Um, and I didn't even know that she had been to some of my shows and she was a, she was a fan of mine and, and she like, she has my merch and stuff. And it was like, it, we just like sort of became friends and, and I, I really love and respect her songwriting and she's got an amazing voice and, and she also is amazing live. So that was cool. Uh, and, and Claire, um, I actually, um, I, I found out about her through my management, my booking agent. They sent me her music, um, and I played her, I played her Spotify, like top five songs or whatever while I was in my car driving, driving up to LA. And I was like, well, this girl's like really cool. And, uh, she was actually thinking about doing a different tour at the time. And I was like, yo, we got to get her to, to do this tour. Um, and ultimately we were able to do that. So yeah, she's, she's awesome. Um, and then Madeline and Sarah, um, also most new music I find through other people. So, um, my, my booking agent had sent me their songs and I was like, well, they're great. Are they available for any shows? And he was like, yeah, they can do these shows. I was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's how it's not that eventful, but their music is great. So but the fact that you're listening to it, like you're that, I, I feel like that would mean a lot to those artists knowing that you actually listen to the song and you actually well, you like, I mean, you can't just like go on a tour and like not. True, have to... but I can't say that's every. I, I I can't say that that's across the board. I would think that it's pretty close to. A... Well, maybe not. Well, I don't know. I don't know, but I know for me personally, I I wouldn't want to go out on the road and like find out who the opening act is on the first day. <laughs> I don't like this music. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, also like it's um. Yeah, I want to I want to pick artists to go out on tour with me that I vibe with and also that I think would be a good fit for the audience and that you know. Um, that they they have music that I would want to stand behind, you know. Like even I went on tour with Anson Sayabra. I love his music, and I also really love him as a person. So that was great. He's having a birthday party this weekend, so I'm going to. We're that. all invited. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. It's up to him. Well, Alec, I'm excited to finally get to sit down with you and talk music. Um, thank you so much for yeah. what you've created um, so far. Um, to close us off with this uh, most recent record, Uncommentary. What has been your proudest moment of this record? Uh, I hope my proudest moment of this record is is yet to come, but I would say that my proudest moment of the record is well. That's a great question. Um, I think my proudest moment of the record is finally getting a song to go viral on TikTok. <laughs> it's happened to me. Uh, it's actually I'm fortunate enough to where it's happened a few a few different times, but uh, you know. The industry right now is just so 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 heavily re- reliant on uh, on on the uh, ebbs and flows of TikTok virality, and so the fact that we were able to to sort of engineer that um, 
was was nice. Yeah. Officially made it in the into the music world. <laughs> yeah, I made it. I made it back in. You know. <laughs> yeah, but I I hope that uh, I hope that I have more uh, moments to come that will that will make me proud. Who knows? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> My proud moment is finishing the record, putting it out, yeah. not going totally crazy during the. Yeah. <laughs> Well, congratulations with the release. Uh, you guys be sure to check out Alec Benjamin on tour. September 8th is when it kickstarts. And uh, thanks for watching here on Front Row Live. Hey, it's Rob again. If you enjoyed this interview, please follow for more. And I invite you to head over to my YouTube channel, Front Row Live ENT, where I have thousands of video interviews with my favorite new and established artists. Once again, thank you for tuning in and have a great night.